Okay. I'm a huge Celtics fan. Let's go. Like, huge. <laughs> Literally obsessed. Hey guys, welcome to Without a Roadmap. This is the show for the product people who don't have all the answers. We'll be telling the stories of the product folks who get the job done but are still figuring it out. My name is Jonas. I'm Cameron. We're both product managers here at Parlor, which is a startup located in downtown Boston. Today we have Caitlin with us, who is also a PM at Zipcar. Happy to be here. Woo! So today we have Caitlin here. Why don't you just get us started and tell us who you are, everything about you. Yeah, so <laughs> as you mentioned, I'm a product manager at Zipcar. Um, before that, I actually did a lot of marketing. So I was at another Boston-based startup called Jebit for several years. And before that, I was at an advertising tech company. So it's been a bit of a journey from a bunch of tech marketing roles and all sorts of different disciplines within marketing mm-hmm. into product management. Cool, cool. Why the switch from marketing into product? How much time do you have? <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it's been, uh, I think, a very literal process of elimination where um, kind of coming out of school, I realized I wanted to do something that let me write. I wanted to do something where I got to work with people on a team, communicate, try to make people happy. And that ended up being marketing because mm-hmm. I also wanted a job that, you know, help pay soon work. <laughs> and I liked a lot of it. Um, it was a really good starter job because it was a lot of product management, a lot of um, or product marketing, a lot of, you know, website management, a lot of content marketing, sales enablement. So I was able to do a bunch of different roles within one role, essentially, mm-hmm. but still didn't really like it. So I started thinking about, okay, what do I want to do next? And I realized that the kind of content marketing, product marketing was my favorite part of it. So I turned to this role at Jebit where I started as a content marketer and then became kind of this one woman marketing team for a couple years. And there was a lot that I really loved about that, that I think now looking back, the parts that I love were really related to kind of product management skills. Uh, And so I kind of took that and said, you know, this still isn't a right fit. Ended up quitting without a job, which Mm. was um, probably one of the (laughs) seemingly scariest, but actually not once I did it scary at all things that I've ever done. Um, And then did a bunch of freelance consulting gigs and decided I really wanted to take a hard pivot into product management. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. The overlap in the skill set is something that I've started to notice a lot more as we've done more marketing stuff here at Parlor. Um, kind of curious in your pers- uh, from your perspective, like why there isn't a lot of overlap at other com- companies, or like you know maybe tell me from your perspective if there's a lot of marketing and product overlap, and like in terms of how the teams work together and the types of work because from what i've seen lately there there's a lot of overlap in terms of the the general goals although there might be something like uh you know customer retention is a goal that is assigned to like the marketing team uh, but there's a lot of smaller things that a product team is doing to like drive to the product that in support of those goals uh, so I'm curious, like, if you've seen a lot of overlap in, you know, them actually working directly together, because uh, I haven't in my experience. Yeah, it's a good question. So I was previously at a lot of B2B tech companies like yourselves, and I think in that situation, there there can be a ton of collaboration between product and marketing. So especially on the product marketing front and kind of just driving results through things like demand gen. So I think mm-hmm. those are the two biggest areas where it was kind of one, you know, how can we best position this 
emerging technology as something that people actually want? And then two, you know, what is the product team's input on kind of how we could best get people to sign up? Mm-hmm. So I think I've seen overlap there, but I've also had instances where the two smallest teams at a company were product and marketing. So we were so mm-hmm. strapped that it was like, I know I should be working with you. I'm not, and that's stressing me out, but we also have these huge goals that we need to kind of tackle. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting coming to kind of my biggest company at with Zipcar and seeing pretty tight collaboration between product and marketing. And like you mentioned, shared goals, shared KPIs, and really making sure that everything we're doing is laddering up to that. And then that there's a lot of input from our marketing stakeholders. So I think it really depends on the company. Mm-hmm but it seems to make the most sense when you let those two teams really collaborate because there's just so much shared knowledge there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you said, because I believe like, you were a director at Jebit before. And so coming over to the product side, like I, w- I really wanted to ask you like how you think a product and marketing team should like align and like drive towards the shared goals. It's a good question. <laughs> I don't think there's a silver bullet. Uh-huh. Uh, I wish there was, but I think the biggest thing is it just boils down to communication. You need to really understand each other's kind of business goals and then how they ladder up into whatever that maybe overarching key result that you're driving towards is. So I think my strategy has just been to ask a ton of questions and Mm -hmm. try to not make that many assumptions about now that I'm a product manager about what our marketing team wants and kind of why they're doing what they're doing. I think it's really important to understand that before you start kind of making sweeping assumptions about things or saying, hey, we're going to go in this direction. Um, So I think the communication is probably the the most important part and the cornerstone of the relationship Mm -hmm. but i don't think there you know there's a silver bullet i think it just comes down to making sure you ask the right questions you listen you provide feedback i know marketers respond really well to data so if you kind of show them Mm -hmm. hey we should do this reason because of you know it's going to have this lift in conversion or it's going to you know improve x kpi by 10 Mm percent they're really responsive to that too so i think it's a little bit of both the communication and the data side of things yeah because um Recently, I've been trying to, to like write like product announcements for like new upcoming features mm-hmm. and everything, and uh, I feel like it'd probably be best like kind of have like when the product team is thinking of releasing a new feature or building a new feature because they they hear X Y Z from customers, the market, whatever it, it may be. I feel like it's probably best to kind of align with marketing team before you actually like hand st- stuff off, so you have like a story to tell. Mm-hmm. So like when you're going to make those announcements, like you know like what the customer pain points is, how you're trying to solve it. So that the actual product feature itself actually comes out the right way the first time. Yeah, and I think one thing that works really well at Zipcar is the kind of investment in user research that happens both in the marketing and the product team, and then the sharing of that research across team. So our product marketing team will lead different kind of persona-based research projects. Our UX team might read um, lead some like kind of more specific. Um, feature testing or user testing or things like that where they're sharing their insights back with marketing and vice versa and same with us we'll share usage data we'll you know share our own research that we're doing so I think if you're working off the same kind of set of shared information it does make that so much easier to then say the market wants this these are kind of the benefits of this new feature so this is jointly how we should talk about it so to kind of pivot away from like the whole marketing talk what's the the most surprising thing about being a PM that you've encountered so far? Probably how many meetings you're in. <laughs> um, and it's it sounds probably kind of silly, and sometimes I do think, okay, I've maybe over-indexed on meetings, so I do block off time on my calendar now, but I think it's really important to realize how much of your time is spent listening and understanding <laughs> yeah. and collaborating with people because you have to really figure out, you know, how can I 
weed without authority. I'm a product manager, but I'm also responsible for delivering results or deliver, delivering a feature or some sort of improvement. Um, so I need to motivate my engineers. I need to collaborate with UX. I yep. need to make sure my marketing stakeholders feel good um, about what we're doing. They feel listened to, that their input is actually taken into consideration because it's really valuable. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the symptom is a bunch of meetings, but the reality is like you just spend so much time collaborating, which is obviously very important. But I think... It, I knew that was going to happen. I didn't know how much it was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I, last night, Jonas and myself were here with uh, Keith, our CEO, and Jonah, the head of design. And we were literally here talking about like the next set of uh, powers you want to build. We were here for like two hours talking about it. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so crazy how like that happens like so like often. And then you still have all these other stuff that you need to do. Like yeah. for us, we need yeah. to like QA, which out to like existing customers, yeah. make sure everything's happy. Mm-hmm. And also like pitching on the marketing stuff. And it's like, dang, we got to do all that. And plus... Spend three hours, like, right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the worst thing was that in the morning we circled back and we're like, we didn't actually come up with next steps. So yeah. we have another sync planned for tomorrow morning to you know follow yeah. up and you know we did a little bit of research and now we're gonna come back and mm-hmm. you know. So I'm curious if you have any best practices for making use of these meetings and coming out of them with like you know the most effectively. Yeah, I mean, one thing it was funny. One of the biggest insights that I've ever had about myself was a fellow product manager I used to work with who told me I had a results-oriented communication style. And that helped me really realize, okay, I'm going to be that person in meetings who says, what are our next steps? Okay, you're owning this, you're owning that. Like, I'll make sure this thing gets done. Mm-hmm. So I think it is really important to have someone who has that kind of mindset mm-hmm. um, and someone who also has a bias for action, who just says, you know, we're going to do these things. Like, let's not talk about it anymore. So I think it just helps to kind of have that mindset of making sure, okay, we spent this time. It was really valuable. What do we want to do with it? It's just some sort of mental check there, I think, can really help. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you're trying to move as fast as everybody does yeah, in product. Yeah. Like, you can't waste time having multiple meetings about the same thing and never deciding what to do next because it just slows yeah. down the process. Mm-hmm. What are some of your best practices for, like, time management? I thought I was really good at time management, but <laughs> the last couple of weeks, I haven't been. <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that has made a difference for me is blocking off time on my calendar. I realized I was spending like 60% of my week in meetings. So I didn't have very much keyboard time and was feeling things kind of piling up. Mm-hmm. So I just took my manager's advice and blocked off, you know, two hours at a time, maybe five to seven times throughout the week. Uh, and that made a huge difference. So I think being really conscious about that and saying, I need this time to be heads down. I need to be strategic. I need to finish this thing, even if it's a little bit time consuming and not that fun. It's really important to give yourself that time to work. So mm-hmm. I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just making sure I actually have that time to work mm-hmm. and understanding to kind of having a really critical lens on, do I need to be in this meeting? Do I not need to be? Um, could I not create a meeting by sending an email? You know, thinking of things like that. But so those are probably my two strategies are one, block yeah. off time, and two, just make sure that um, I'm treating my time as valuable and treating everyone else's time as valuable. Mm. Avoid the meeting whenever possible. Yeah. Sometimes it's great, though. Like, there yeah. are times where we'll walk out of meetings and be sitting there like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe we just came up with this or that was just such a good use of time. So, yeah, I think it's just knowing when, when to go with the meeting and when to just keep it simple in email. Yeah, yeah. We have a, a rule here. Don't send paragraphs in Slack. Mm. Yeah, like, cause... that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely sound like, today. <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean to call you. Up. No, it's fine. I deserve it. Because <laughs> like sometimes like stuff like that, like um, the tone can get lost. So people yeah. can think that you're mad at them. We're really just trying to 
give detailed thoughts. Well, that's thoughts. important too, with yeah. the, like kind of leading without authorities. You have to think mm-hmm. about things like that. You yeah. know, if you just type this really intense paragraph and you're just <clears> excited <throat> about something, that might not come across. Mm-hmm. Or if you're sending just really, you know, blunt three word responses <laughs> all the time, same deal. So, yeah. and even I work with people who are fully remote. So I don't want to just hit them with the first thing in the morning being like, hey, you know, I tested this feature. Can you do this thing before we release it? You have to remember to say, hey, how's your day going? Good even if you're yeah. slacking them. Yeah. So it's just important because otherwise you're just kind of all business all the time. Mm-hmm. One thing I notice is when you're agreeing with somebody and disagreeing with somebody else in Slack, it's much more visual and seems a lot more antagonistic. So that's something that yeah, <laughs> whenever possible, take it to, to, a, to a, like a face-to-face call, but whenever not, when it's also possible, like yeah, just avoid the meetings. <laughs> yeah, the meetings. yeah. Yeah. So when we were kind of prepping for this, you kind of talked about a restructure happening at, at Zipcar. Why don't you uh, walk us through that? Yeah. So we just moved into mission teams as a structure. And so the kind of difference there was we used to be in what we'll call functional teams, which is basically, you know, you're the product manager for this part of the project. And, you know, you kind of own every change that happens to it. And we've moved to the mission team structure, which is basically this is your team's goal. These are the KPIs that your ways are focused on. And now you have a cross-functional team, so you can touch different parts of Zipcar, whether it's the marketing website, the registration process, the member web experience, the mobile app, things like that. So what it's done is give us all a really clear vision for you know what we're trying to do this year and has been a breath of fresh air in terms of prioritization and stakeholder communication and even getting stakeholders just involved more because we have a much more um, established kind of cadence for how we want to loop them in on things. So. It's funny because I think a lot of people dread things like that, um, but now everyone's so excited. So we moved into the mission <laughs> team structure. We're now all operating on two-week sprints. Like it's so much more predictable. It's focused. So it's been really kind of exciting for everyone to do this. We're only two months in, but mm. it's been really great so far to have the added focus, the kind of really intense relationship with your stakeholders, and the space to have all these really important discussions that. You know, you're not just limited to maybe one part of the product. Yeah, yeah. I went through a couple restructuring of like the product org on my uh, my previous company, and like, yeah, it's definitely true. Like sometimes it can be very daunting and like kind of nerve wracking because you don't really know what's going on, and like you don't know like where you're going to end up. And, like I struggle with it because I got shifted on different product teams, like or different areas of the product, mm-hmm. like every like six months for my first year, which is kind of hard because I'm new in my yeah. career, trying to figure out how to do product stuff, and like I'm not able to like get an expertise in like one area of the product but it seems like everything for you guys like worked out well yeah it's been going really well so far mm-hmm. um, and it's been nice to have that i just keep saying focus because it's so great to just say like this is what we're focused on with our mission these are our two key results that we need to drive this year and this is how we're going to do it it's really nice to have that structure mm-hmm. so it's like your is your guys's team now like the typical like agile like a couple of engineers yeah. qa folks and then like a you guys have a scrum master or you guys are just yeah, so not every mission team has a Scrum Master okay. right now. Plug, we're hiring for several roles. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that. A uh, little bit of technical difficulties. Um, you know, we, we're still getting buy-in from the executive team <laughs> on the show. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're not really using a proper video camera. It overheated on us. So, yeah, Caitlin, really, really sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. No but worries. We're, we're back. Yes, yes. We're a really scrappy Bike. team here. Uh, we're just finishing up talking a little bit about your reorg. Uh, I was wondering if you wanted to, you know, keep going on this line of thinking, or should we transition? Um, hmm. Do you have anything else to add about that? We were talking about like the teams and how it's structured right now. Mm-hmm. No, I mean I think 
like too long, didn't read, working great, cross-functional teams are awesome, staying really focused has made a huge difference. Cool, cool. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. <laughs> I think the next thing that would be kind of cool to talk about is um, you were a coach for a lacrosse high school team. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any overlaps between being a coach and being a product manager? Yeah, they're... The biggest one is stakeholder management. <laughs> um, so it's funny because obviously as a coach, you are more of an authority figure than maybe a product manager where you're leading without authority and kind of really having to build that mutual trust. But it still applies as a coach. Um, you need people to trust you. You are maybe implementing a new way of playing that you need your players to buy into. But you also have a JV team and a freshman team and parents for every single player, guardians <laughs> for every single player, athletic mm. trainers, athletic directors. So. Yep you end up having maybe 150, 200 people that are invested in what you're doing. So it's really important to kind of understand what motivates everyone to kind of create really clear guidelines about how you communicate, how you want your players to communicate, you know, what your values are as a program and as a varsity team and things like that. So I think there's a lot of overlap in terms of you know, excellent communication, stakeholder management, um, you know, obviously being pretty goal-driven in terms of what you want to achieve out of yeah, the season. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's really funny to look back and think about all of the parallels between the roles. Mm. Yeah. So, like, back on that, the skill sets that, you know, make a good product manager, it's something that we talk about just about every show. But I'm curious, from your perspective, uh, coming from marketing, you know, were, were your skill sets purely on the soft side going into product management? That's like a question a lot of people have is uh, whether or not they need these technical skills going to product management. We're always like kind of, you know, hammering in that, you know, generally not. So I'm curious from your perspective, coming from marketing, like, did you fear that this was something that you lacked or in, you know, now in your role, how do you feel about your technical skill set or you know, lack thereof potentially? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people talk about the like technical versus non-technical product manager divide. And I don't 100% buy into that because to your point, I think you can become a product manager with just so many different backgrounds. And most of the PMs I've talked to have had a really random kind of career path into product management. So mm-hmm. I think when you look back at some of the stuff that I did maybe in my marketing role, there's just a lot that ties into it in terms of being data-driven. And I had to run a website by myself, so I had to inherently have some sort of technical know-how and capabilities mm. because our engineering time had to build the product. Like They didn't have time to spend helping me stand up the marketing website, so I had to figure out how to do that on my own or with very mm. limited resources. So I kind of picked stuff up, I think, by being at a startup, mm. but it helped in, in product management, but I, I knew it was something I was excited to learn, and I wasn't you know, there's a little bit of kind of worry of, hey, I might not know this, or I might be as technical as everyone else. But I think if you approach it through the mentality of, I I know what I bring to the table as a product manager. And so for me, it was kind of the organization, the Mm. communication, empathy, you know, teamwork and leadership, being really data-driven. And then what I maybe don't have yet, I kind of approach it as I'm excited to learn this, not, you know, I don't have this thing. Mm. And I can probably compliment someone else on my team. So I think that can really help if you reframe it in your mind. And it doesn't, become this thing where you're worried, oh, I'm not a technical product manager. Right, yeah, I think, yeah, like you said, being able to pick things up quickly is almost more yeah. important. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that if you can learn quickly, like, you can do anything. And I think, obviously, you want to come in with an understanding of Agile and, you know, those types of principles. Like the frameworks and everything. Yeah, all yeah. the frameworks. Like, those are those are relatively easy to learn online, because there's just so many resources. Mm. You want to understand, you know, 
what is an API or, you know, how are people using the product of the company that I want to work at? Or maybe how might the engineering team be set up? Things like that. But you don't need to, you know, agonize over, oh my gosh, like I don't know Ruby or I don't know Python or I don't, mm. I'm not a front end developer. You're not expected to do that. Yep. Mm. So it's okay to not know those things. And it's important to figure out what should I know? What shouldn't I know? And, you know, lean on your teammates to complement your skill set, and you can learn from them or you can learn from your manager. So I think it's okay to not have a technical background and sometimes it can really be helpful. We're, you know, For me, my role as a product <clears throat> manager is to get people to sign up for Zipcar. So it's really helpful that I have a marketing background and can really empathize with our marketing team. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That makes a lot of sense. I think maybe we can talk about what's the favorite thing you've shipped, either as a PM or even as a marketer. Yeah, I mean, my favorite <coughs> feature as APM, I can't talk about yet. So oh, okay, okay, uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Another shameless plug. Sorry. So, and we've done a lot of really cool stuff that is maybe smaller. My team does a lot of A/B testing, so it's okay. always nice to see. Like we did a redesign of Zipcar.com's pricing page, and it's mm. just massively improved conversion rate, which is really awesome. So oh, check it out. That's yeah, Zipcar.com/pricing. <laughs> um, it's very pretty now. So things like that. That was a really great win, uh, even though it was a very straightforward redesign from one version to another version. But we mm. A/B tested it, got some good data, implemented it, and are still seeing a lift. So that's been really cool. Um, and then as a marketer, I'm trying to think, so many website redesigns. <laughs> the first conference I ever did at Jebit, I ran by myself. And it was oh, really wow. cool to kind of get that out the door. And <laughs> I think and that actually kind of conference? tied into it. Yeah, it was a mm. lot. <laughs> I hear that's what marketing is about. Like yeah, it was a lot. We just we decided, hey, we need to do a customer conference this year. And also, you're in charge and all. You're <laughs> doing it by yourself. Um, but that was kind of cool because it was similar to product mm. management where I had to figure out what do people actually want? Uh, you know, what do our customers want when they come to a conference? How can we make it an uncomfortable? and make it a little bit more exciting than your average one because that's just not really our brand at the time. So um, that was another cool thing that I'm actually pretty proud of, even though it's totally devoid of <laughs> product management. <laughs> it was still shipping something out the door basically oh, by myself, you know, yeah. without a lot of resources. So that's probably another cool thing that I've shipped, I guess. So I'm curious since, you know, back on the like excitement of shipping something cool and specifically, <clears throat> sorry, Zipcar which is like a really you know popular product and used by a lot of people. It's like very visible, but it's also pretty mature. I'm curious if that maturity, like if you feel like that slowed down the amount of innovation or space for innovation within the product, or you know, are there those like still those really in, you know cool new projects that you're working on that you feel like is going to change the way that your users actually interact with the product itself. Yeah, that's a good question because I think a lot of people look at bigger companies and I, I've done that in the past where I've only been at startups thinking, oh my gosh, this must be so slow. Um, but I'm very happy to say Zipcar is just super entrepreneurial and really creative and really innovative. And it's amazing how much autonomy we have as PMs to say, this is this thing that I think we should tackle. Here's all the research I spent. Um, you know, putting together for this. I've worked with UX, I've talked with marketing, I've talked with actual prospective customers or existing customers. Now let's, you know, do this thing. Mm. There's so much autonomy and leeway to do things like that, which has been really cool. And I think why Zipcar's still been able to drive value for people 20 years in. It's Zipcar's 20th anniversary in April. Wow. So oh, wow. it's kind of cool Sweet. to see, you know, this company that's been around <laughs> for a couple decades is still, you know, providing a space for so much creativity and, and this entrepreneurial innovative mindset that has been able to help us kind of continue to you know innovate on the product delight members and think about what we can do for you know 2020 and beyond and our new features dropping soon so mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's um really exciting <laughs> catherine who's a pm also on my team has been leading this amazing initiative so 
uh, it's going to be really great yeah, when we sure can you, scale it out. So <laughs> Make sure you let us know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. How about we do some rapid fire um, real quick before the camera mm. goes on us again? Um, favorite place to eat in Boston? Oh my gosh, all of them. Uh, <laughs> ooh, I lately have been really into Ruka and Downtown Crossing. Ruka? Hey, I have not been there. That is a, it's, it's a like bougie it's Asian, Asian or Japanese yeah. fusion. It's yeah, pretty cool. Asian fusion. Asian. About. I said Asian fusion. Right. <laughs> it's Peruvian it Japanese. Fusion. She just went it really is. specific. <laughs> yeah, I said Peruvian the exact Japanese. fusion that it was. Uh, <laughs> favorite place to travel? So many good places. Um, Iceland, I think. Oh, I have yeah. not been there. <laughs> um, and maybe the last one you don't have to answer, but what's your most controversial opinion? I was going to say that I hate doing things on my phone, but when I said I didn't <laughs> like the Patriots, I got a really big rise, so maybe it's that. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really great having you on the show, Caitlin. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for coming on. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Try to get subscribers up. So yes. Until then, until next time. Mm.